Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 857. Well, I think we're all lucky to be involved in this enterprise and hobby and arena of participation with these machines that make us more capable than we are, that that let us trans distances and, and overcome all sorts of physical obstacles and extend our human capabilities. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Kent Bain. Hey, Kent, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. All right, here we go. Kent Bain is the founder and director of Automotive Restorations in Fairfield, Connecticut. Founded in 1978, Automotive Restorations and their sister company, Vintage Racing Services, have garnered numerous awards and a reputation for quality and integrity. Their work is found on exhibits all around the world, all over the globe, earning notable awards from places like Pebble Beach to the Concorso de Eleganza Lake Como, Italy. Their vintage racing services restores and prepares racing and rally cars that participate as far afield as China, New Zealand, and across the United States and Europe. Kent is an active vintage racer and the winner of the SVRA's Driver of the Year Award back in 1999. He's been doing this for quite a while. He is also a founding partner of the Collector's Car Garage and a number of other classic automotive enterprises. So Kent, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more about your businesses and of course an obvious passion for being around old cars. Well, old cars have been a, a passion, and, and I would even call it an addiction in my case when you see <laughs> how far along this has come. Yes. I started my working career as an industrial designer. The thought was that I might be designing cars, but the real appeal of cars and speed and the hands-on the machine itself overruled that after a five-year career in that profession. And I started this business in 1978 with the intention of maybe a couple, three years, and then I'd go back to my design career. Just something to dip your toe into and have some fun. Yeah, well. It took off. <laughs> that changed things, didn't it? <laughs> you know how that life goes, and it went that way, and this is something that a lot of people shared as an interest, and it just grew very, very naturally, very organically, such that year after year, the business became more involving and larger, and our participation level in events far and wide grew. And our client base grew, and the satisfaction we all found in in practicing our craft as the staff grew was well-shared and enjoyed. And it's been a terrific ride. Yes, obviously a terrific ride, for sure. Well, as we continue on your journey, I first like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra, something that has some meaning to you. So, Kent, take the wheel. I'd give you three different aspects of what we do there that that in, in that arena that I think all apply. The first one is is a simple and very good rule. Price is not a guarantee of quality, mm. and that's been the same from the world over. Looking between the lines often finds quite a bit of value in an industry like ours. Yes. The next thing is nothing is fixed until it proves it to you that it's fixed, and this especially <laughs> applies to old cars because an engineer's perspective in that negative bent where you say, well, I put the parts in, but does it really work? It has to work time and again, and that has been something that's served us well over the years. Yes. And finally, and this applies especially to some of the harder competition events and rallies the world over where engines fail in the middle of the night and that sort of thing, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. 
Yeah. That, that keeps you moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know what comes to mind is one of my past guests, uh, Louis Shefshik of JNL Fabricating here in the Pacific Northwest. He used to work on my vintage race cars when I was racing. And I remember going to an event at a Lola T290 and uh, back in broke and I thought, oh, my whole weekend's destroyed. This was just during a warm-up session. And he got on his old uh, motor scooter and went around the paddock and came back and said, I found the part we need. Those guys spent all morning putting it back together and got me back out on the track. So uh, that's what comes to mind there. That Yeah, when things get tough, the tough get going. Well, he just got on his scooter and went going. And I know that's the kind of stuff that you guys do for your clients as well. You make sure that they get back on the road, whether it's their collector car, their vintage car, or their race car. So, ah, nice. Well, Let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realize that you were indeed a car guy? Well, my mother tells me it was when I was playing with dinky toys, but I I don't think it occurred then. (laughs) It really occurred in in that transition I made from my design career to the hands-on career and the value I saw in being able to understand and, and restore and correct and tune and refine cars myself and the satisfaction I've achieved from that. That right. sort of reward, that first year in this as, a, as an actual vocation as opposed to an avocation was, uh, was as, as, as strong and clear a turning point as you can find. Well, you made a pretty major pivot shift in your career path as an industrial designer. I know it still relates to cars and things and designing things, but making that pivot at a point in time where, you know, to dip your toes into restoring cars, I mean, that's a big toe dip there. So what was it about those old cars that drew you into that direction to cause you to change your career? The physical reward that comes when you've put a whole package together and done all the work yourself and made sure you understand that the system, understood the systems properly so that each one worked as it should. Mm-hmm. And then that test drive when everything just works. And that's never the first test ride, but two or three test rides down the road, you get this reward and this sense of satisfaction of, of, of something real accomplished. I'll do a lot of paper shuffling on any given day at the business, the current size it is, but there's nothing like actually fixing. I fixed my own race. I had a race up at Lime Rock last weekend had a terrific time at the historic festival that we helped administer, and and it went beautifully. And uh, I had some repair to do after the event, and I took Wednesday off and fixed those items. There's no day as satisfying as that Wednesday (laughs) with a new exhaust system made and some other things I had to do to get back out on the track a weekend from now at uh, a VRG event in New Jersey Motorsports Park. And that direct one-for-one you broke it or you found it and you fixed it and you made it work, uh, that has a that has a real reward for somebody like me. Oh, gosh, yeah. I don't do things near your level, but I know times where I've fixed things on my automobiles. It just feels so good to go, oh, I did that. You know, I didn't have to yeah. rely on anybody else. Uh, it's fun to get your hands dirty and roll up your sleeves and do those things. So what kind of car were you racing at uh, Lime Rock? I was, I was in a Triumph Spitfire for this weekend. Oh, cool. Uh, car I've had for 20 years and uh, good reason why those cars were SCCA national champs so many times. They are not the best road car in many respects, but they sure make a good small displacement race car. Yeah, absolutely. Having fun and about to go have some more fun. Well, Kent, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or failure in your career. Now, you changed careers. You pivoted into a career that's fraught with ups and downs. A lot of things test you. So take us to one of those times that was a big test for you. Walk us through it then and tell us what you learn from that situation. You can go to both sides of the equation, which is one that's, that's, that's an aesthetic side where you're trying to take a car to Villa Dest and it needs to be perfect. And the other one is test of a challenge of mechanical proficiency and, uh, and, and the engineering you do to get a car through a vintage rally. 
But in both both disciplines, the the attention to detail and the focus on trying to see what isn't quite there yet or isn't going to make it is, is really what involves the uh, practical engineer's mm-hmm. mindset. And uh, I'll go to an event in Mexico called the Carrera Pan America. Oh my! Thank you. You can remember that. Oh. I think many of your, your your listeners will will have had some focus on this event. Well, yeah. But it really is quite a challenge. It's a terrific histo- re- recreation of the original historic, the original event from the early 50s that was uh, a devil-may-care, abandon-all-safety-and-caution speed trial from one end of Mexico to the other. Mm-hmm. It's disciplined beyond that now, but it still gets pretty challenging and pretty fast. And here, here's a memory of two cars the first year we did it, which was 1992. And we've got no real experience in this seven-day-long rally of uh, the entire country. But we, we find ourselves doing reasonably well, and everybody's still on the road, and it's fourth or fifth day into the event. And then one of the engines has a problem with a connecting rod from an oil pressure line that let go a couple of days before and was supposedly fixed on the road by the driver. I hope, <laughs> as I said to him at the time, that... You got that oil tightened up before you lost much oil. Oh, the pressure never went down is what you hear. So yeah. we were relatively fine with that. Long story short, the engine loses a, a connecting rod, and it is the middle of the night. We do have a spare engine, but it turns out that the flywheel for the spare engine doesn't match the flywheel for the Uh-oh. for the original. So at 2.30 in the morning, having been up almost all the first night before correcting some minor accident damage and other things, we're, we're remanufacturing a flywheel. And trying to get it centered so that the vibration is is under control, and it, it succeeded. At six a.m. the next morning, they were on the road. Those sort of accomplishments and challenges <laughs> you don't forget. <laughs> now, what? That's amazing. Aston Martin DB2. Yeah, I was going to ask the car an Aston Martin DB2. Oh my gosh! I mean, incredibly spectacular car, but yeah, not something you can uh, get on the phone in middle of Mexico and say, "Hey, we need a part for this thing." So, well, you can't. They're incredibly innovative and, and, and creative in Mexico in terms of fixing things, but it's just at 2.30 in the morning, you're, you're at a little bit of a, a walk. Li- yeah, well, there's a great <laughs> attitude right there, Kent, a little bit at, yeah, with a challenge, but oh my gosh, yeah, I had a Renee Brinkerhoff on the show here, who's a woman who uh, in her, gosh, in mid-50s or so decided to go racing, and that's the race she decided to start her racing career. Oh my and, goodness. Yeah, very brave lady and an old Porsche 356, but uh, that event in and of itself is a challenge, but to have major mechanical issues, spare engine, flywheels. Wow. Kudos to you and your team for pulling that off. That is really, really cool. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. How about a career aha moment, a time when you went, you know what? I'm on the right path. This is the way I need to go. Oh, boy. There have been quite a number of those. Uh, I think probably the best aha moment I can come up with is we're struggling with getting the business to go. And we've been at it from 1978 to 1983 or 84. And we, um, we're, fe- we're feeding ourselves. And it was, I started this with a partner who's still with me now and a fellow who had a long career prior to coming here and putting Bugatti's back together for a well-known shop on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get, you can get on the, on the downside of this if you say, gee, I'm working 75, 80 hours a week and I'm about breaking even. Yeah. But, uh, we both stuck with it because we love what we do. And we had some other employees at that point, all of whom had the same notion. And we would have to occasionally say, look, your paycheck's going to be a week late this week. And everybody went along with it because this really is a, a business driven by passion. Yeah. And the we, we have a year where we actually have a profit and have to pay tax. 
And I said, aha, at least in the business sense, I'm on the right track. <laughs> yes, yeah. I've had my accountant say that, you know, be happy when you have to pay taxes. That means that you're doing the right thing. So, And we were having fun doing it. Yeah. So you really can't beat that. And the, the cars we're doing are starting not only to win races, but win awards and exhibits uh, are getting a thankful group of customers who really appreciate what we do. It's a combination of things that give you the aha moment. Yeah, great segue into my next question. That is a proudest career moment. You've made a lot of people happy, no doubt. Restoring their cars, building race cars for them, fixing cars in the middle of the night in the middle of Mexico so that they can continue on their dream race in the career of Panamericana. But how about a proudest moment that stands out for you that you could share? That's another long story, but uh, there there are too many of them, and, uh, and no doubt. that's one of the rewards of what we do. So yes. we're trying to focus on something that is a single item that, that really grabs my attention. And that would really have to be a um, fellow who we had restored an MG for, not a very fancy car. It was just an MGA, but he'd had it all his life. And we finished the project, and he's extremely appreciative. And the next thing he does is make a book of the whole process and hand one to each of us and uh, tell us that... Uh, this this changed. We didn't know about some health issues he had, but he says to us, this changed my perspective on these issues and has changed my perspective on life. Wow. This was a very, very meaningful thing to me to see this project done. And, and if this car can be brought back, so can I. And to this day, that's true. So without going into any his history in detail, I of course. thought that uh, that was something that meant a lot to all of us. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, you never know how you're touching people's lives when you're doing things for them. And really nice of that customer to share his life with you and give you a uh, something for you guys to take home when you let these babies go after you've birthed them <laughs> and, and given yep. them a new life. And then you have to watch them drive off down the street. Oh, it's like your kids heading off to college. It's just kind of bittersweet smile, but you're sad at the same time. There are rewards that are more specific, you know winning the driver of the year we won mechanic of the year having a really good race where the the press come up and say boy that was the best thing that happened here today all those things mean something but when you can really make a difference in somebody's perspective from this sort of work on a just a car it is always just a car but the point of it is that uh, there's a huge emotional attachment to the cars that we work on by the owners and with the owners and being part of that uh, bit of intimacy for even though it's just a product is something that has reward Absolutely. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first special car. Is there a car when you go back in time that has a, a fond memory for you? Oh, there's a couple, but uh, but I'll go back to about 1973. This is a car conversion story because at that age, I am 23 years old and I am very focused on Austin Healey's. I think they're terrific cars, but uh, I'm not that happy with the performance. So I find a very good Healy 106 that somebody has taken apart years ago. And I am, by the way, I'm, I'm still working as an industrial designer at this point. So this is a, a nights and weekends activity. Mm-hmm. But I take that car and put a fuel-injected Chevy 283 in it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and balance it so that the engine's very close to the firewall. Yeah. And have a lighter car than I started with in the Healy. Everything else looks dead stock. I make the exhaust into one so that coming out the back, it looks just like a... And it went like hell. I did have Aston Martin wire wheels on it to get enough rubber uh, and did the seven inch width that made all the difference. But even those didn't hang outside the wheel arch. So it was uh, that was a great project. Not a purist project at all. But at that age, I kept it till I was in my mid 30s and 
had many a good ride in my Austin Healey V8. Oh, my gosh. I can only imagine. Those are such beautiful cars, but to add some power to them. Holy cow. That must have been fun, <laughs> for sure. It, 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 was, it was very quick, and uh, I had it at various racetracks a couple times when they would have track days, and uh, it, it accounted for itself well. I think so. I like the way you said that. How about Seller's Remorse? Is there a car you've let go that you wish you had back in your garage? Oh, boy. I'm not a victim of that too often, but... but uh, it's the ones that you have to cut your your time short with. And I had an Alfa Romeo once that I was very attached to. And I think uh, it was actually a car purchased for my wife, but she hardly ever used it. And so I would drive it. And uh, at a certain point, she says, I just want to get a station wagon. <laughs> <laughs> and there went the Alfa. And uh, I, I, every time I'd look at another Duetto, I'd go, gee, I wish I had that car. Yeah, I understand. Be- beautiful, pretty low cars and fun to drive, too. Well, tell us about some of the current projects you guys are working on there in your shop right now that have you very excited and fired up. Well, we're doing a, a, another. We've done a series of Pegasos to good effect. And Pegasos are a very rare breed. Indeed. Yeah. And got a, um, a touring body coupe that we're well into now that uh, should be ready for sometime middle of next year that we're enjoying. We've also got a South Chick Pegaso we're working on and uh, engineering process now. And uh, I don't know if that'll make it by the end of 2018, but it may. There's a complement of Jaguars and quite a few Ferraris. We've got a 19, we've got a um, Waverly Electric that belongs to a family that's had it since new which is a fascinating project. Uh, it's one of the early environmental machines, and we're uh, in the process of bringing that back to life. There's a huge variety of vehicles we work on here that span them. We just finished a 58 Ford Ranchero and a Curtis Midget that gets towed behind it. It was an exhibit up at Lime Rock and won a terrific award and uh, looks just beautiful. It was an awful lot of fun to do. So you have a, a range of, of product here that gets worked on. We really apply skills to all sorts of cars and have a a good-sized staff with quite a large base of, of uh, understanding of all the various different disciplines and vehicles we, we see through here. No doubt. Well, a Waverly Electric, that's a car from like 1910? 1909. Ni- yeah, okay. Yeah, I was, I was close. We also did a Roush and Lang Electric a number of years ago for the Roush family, which was um, uh, a more a more state. That was an immediate post-World War One vehicle, uh-huh. and this is a pre-World War One vehicle, but very similar in the way they're engineered. Wow, wow, very cool. Wow, what a diverse shop you've got there. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Kent. If you were a car, what kind of car would Kent be, and why? Oh, I, I, I well, I, I'm much too large to be the car I want to be. <laughs> How does that sound? <laughs> but I, like I, I would like answer. to be. Uh, <laughs> my appreciation of engineering cars is uh, is when cars do a lot with a little. It's impressive. Uh-huh. I wouldn't race a Triumph Spitfire if I didn't think that way. Here's a Triumph Spitfire going around Lime Rock at almost the same speed as Richard Atwood in a GT40 that actually ran at Le Mans. So that is a car that's doing quite a bit with a little. I think Richard was being conservative and polite, and I'm sure he could have trounced. There were several Spitfires <laughs> up around the front. I'm sure he could have trounced all of us, but it was a very interesting display of the big guy and the little guy. Yes. So I, I think Lotus... Uh, a Lotus Elan is a superb car. Oh, I yeah. think a Toyota 2000 GT is a piece of engineering related to a Lotus Elan that comes up another notch. Yeah. I think a, my favorite Ferrari to drive and actually use in a, in a vintage Ferrari sense is a Dino. Mm. It's it's crisp, it's light, it's balanced. It doesn't have any of the heaviosity of a traffic jam uh, nightmare. When you get in a big V12 car and you get stuck on, as we all do in traffic, yeah. You feel that you're pushing a barge along. 
it's a terrific car when you get moving on the highway, but it's it doesn't have that crisp light doing a lot with a little feeling that Dino has. So sure. I'm very much uh, oriented in something that is light, efficient, and makes does an awful lot with very limited resource in terms of the obvious big power and big comfort feature material. I, I'm a, a designer in that sense in that I like to see really good design is making the most of the least. There you go. Great answer. Well, Kent, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Okay, Kent, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You've seen plenty of white flags in your racing career. This is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? It's a simple one. Any problems the cars had when new, they still have, and you have to find a way around them. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. I understand. Now, would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? Oh, I'd go back to that point I mentioned before. Nothing's fixed till it proves to you that it's fixed. Ah, yes. That's the engineering mind in your head, for sure. How about a resource? There's lots of great resources out there for all of us automotive enthusiasts these days. Is there one or two you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, the the, 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 the simple and obvious is the internet has changed this business and the yeah. availability of hard-to-find things and, and our contact and communication with other interested parties on a level that 20 years ago, it existed, but I didn't understand. But now that I do, it's it's really expanded this whole arena to accommodate a great deal more people and allow a whole bunch more understanding of, of what goes on. If I have some problem that's an odd one, the first place I'll go now is to the web. That used to be networked among all my friends in the business, among anybody who's a specialist with this car. Right. Uh, and try to find out now the information is, is so available and the ability to 
develop a relationship that has a productive side to it, that gets something done or lets you understand something you did is exceptional. Yeah, it's awesome. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Well, I, I, I have had a drink with Brock Yates, and I just thought a lot of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we lost him. Was it last year we lost him? I, I had yeah. his son on the show, and uh, yeah, quite a legendary guy. That would be a fun talk. Yeah, it was a fun talk. Yeah, well, for you, you were lucky enough to talk with him. Well, it'd be great to sit down with him again, for sure. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy as well? Oh, this isn't going to be a car book. That's okay. It's, it's, it's about the accelerations of the time we're living in, which does have an automotive aspect. Um, Thomas Friedman, thank you for being late. Mm. What a series of explanations of what's going on in the world we live in and how we are are, are being rehooked together. What what acceleration and speed in society is really starting to, to become. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the first time that book's been recommended here, and I'm glad you brought up something new. I've had lots of great books recommended by our guests. And listeners, you can find these great resources on Kent's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Kent Bain. There's another great place on the site called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and all the great books recommended by the fantastic guests I've had here on Cars yeah are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, Kent, we are up to the checkered flag, and today I'm going to have some fun and buy you any cool car in the world. What would that car be for you and why? Hmm. Well, we've talked about the car I'd like to be. Yes. I, I think, given the uh, various, the range of things I've experienced with cars, I, I have one car that I spent some time with that I would have liked to have spent some more time with. So if you could find me a Jaguar XJ220, I, I would appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. I'd like to drive it for a couple of years and uh, see if it's really a good commuter car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's a pretty special car. Very, very beautiful car, cool car. And, uh, yeah, that shouldn't should be too hard to find. <laughs> and does a lot with a V6 engine, so that's yeah. a lot with a little. Well, there you go. Gets back to the, the roots of how you feel about cars. Awesome. Well, Kent. I'm just going to add one more thing because you, the XJ220 is probably going to be Something in a in, in beyond the gift range, but it's just a nice Ferrari Dino would be okay. Or a Dino. Well, yeah, I love the Dino. First Ferrari I ever drove was a Ferrari Dino. Thanks to Sam Salemi when I was a young kid. I was a guy waxing cars, and he let me jump in that thing and drive it home. And, uh, oh, man, I love that That's car. That's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> that was very cool. I couldn't wait for him to call me back about every two months I would detail that car for him. So I've often wondered whatever happened to that to that Dino. Well, Kent, you've taken me on an awesome ride today around the track and through the shop. I knew you would. I've really enjoyed listening to your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you head off into the sunset in that Jaguar XJ220 or the Dino? Well, I think we're all lucky to be involved in this enterprise and hobby and arena of participation with these machines that make us more capable than we are, that, that let us trans distances and, and overcome all sorts of physical obstacles and extend our human capabilities. Uh, it's, it's an enjoyable, it, it is a product that packages you and then you get your abilities enhanced by it. And the romance of that is what really keeps us all centered. And uh, I think it's a great, I think it's a great thing to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you, automotive restorations, and vintage racing services? I would think a visit to our websites will tell a great deal. Absolutely. And again, listeners, I'll put links to those websites on Kent's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. 
Just type Kent Bain, B-A-I-N, into the search bar. You'll find those. Check out what Kent and his talented team are doing. Oh, they're transforming some lives, some cars. Uh, they're having fun, most of all. So congratulations for that. Ken, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Sounds good. Thank you. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!